The sports pen lives here on ESPN-UP, online with our app, Tanner Hoops, with you. Good to have you with us. Over the course of the next hour, pack show as always, we're going to meet the new Ishpeming head football coach, George Nemi. That interview coming up in about 15 minutes. You are going to hear from a special guest to break down the NCAA baseball tournament throwing the first pitch this weekend, plus a special surprise guest to end the show. You're going to love this guest. You better stick around. That's all coming up over the course of the next hour. But right now, we've got Charlie Bramer in studio with us. He's going to break down everything Wisconsin sports for us over the next 15 minutes or so. Charlie, I tell you what, I appreciate you being here. I'm glad to see that you're smiling. It was a tough weekend for a lot of Milwaukee sports fans. Saturday night, the Bucks were eliminated. Sunday morning, we woke up to the news about Bart Starr passing. All in all, I appreciate you being here. Always good to see you. Oh, thanks a lot, Tanner. I wouldn't miss it. I always love the opportunity to join you on here and talk sports. Um, it, it was a rough weekend, but I gotta say, you know, it's like reflect, reflecting on the Brewers game la- or the Brewers season last year. Um, watching them in Game Seven of the NLCS, you, you know, you think of how much fun it was the whole time. The hype getting there. Do I still firmly believe the Bucks were the better team? Yes, but they they got outplayed by Kawhi Leonard. Mm-hmm. I mean, there is no ifs, ands, or buts about it. And um, good thing good thing is Giannis is still a very very young man, and they have a a long way to go. Ceiling could not be higher. I still think Giannis is going to continue to get better to the point where we're talking about him like LeBron. I don't think he's close to his ceiling. So that's the good news for the Bucks. Is they're optimistic going forward. They've got a good coach in place. They have a lot to look forward to. So much to look forward to. How about his three-point shooting throughout that series? Getting there. I mean, I think he shot nine for 17 against the Raptors. Or that might have been through ga- through five games. I might be mixing a few things mm-hmm. up here. But there was a point where, he, I mean, he was around 50% from three. You know, what more could you ask for from a guy? I tell you what, if I were a betting man, and I'm not placing bets on how this series is going to go, but if I had to predict this series, I would say... Warriors in five, Toronto wins game one. You know, I it's so funny. I I I usually I always used to come on the show and it was always kind of just Blake and I disagreeing, disagreeing. I don't want people to think I'm like you know some kind of just going along here. But I really I I I thought the Bucks had a much better chance at giving the Warriors a solid a solid series Mm -hmm. just just with toronto being down three to one to philadelphia being down two to two and oh to milwaukee this is some crazy odds that they pulled off here Mm -hmm. considering Kawhi being you know how injured is he really he looked pretty hobbled Mm -hmm. and 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 still was amazing Mm -hmm. so so the odds that they're even here is really something And, and facing the juggernaut that is the golden state warriors I wouldn't be surprised if Toronto coming off these these really hard fought series, you know, they if they can land one on the chin of of the Warriors and you know maybe catch the Warriors backpedaling a little bit, but you know that momentum can switch awfully quickly. I see this series potentially going the way the Boston Milwaukee series did. I can see Toronto winning Game One and looking good while doing so. Then Golden State's going to kick it into gear, and they're going to roll the rest of the way. I just see it playing out that way. I don't think that the atmosphere is going to be anything too intimidating for the Warriors, but this team has been around enough. If there is one atmosphere that they're not prepared for, it's going to be what they're going to face tomorrow night when the NBA Finals comes to Canada for the first time, an extremely passionate fan base. I don't know that the atmosphere is going to get to them. I just know if there's one atmosphere they haven't seen, that nobody's seen. It's something like that. You know, I really like that you point that out. Um, I think that is an overlooked topic. Uh, you know, the fact that Toronto has home court advantage. Toronto had the better record. You know, it is. It doesn't really seem real, but that is the case. How much of a different will difference will it make? You know, obviously, you know we're not we're not too high on that making a huge impact but but it it ultimately could play mm-hmm. more of an impact than we think and it could make things a little more interesting i guess that's what we can at least hope for kevin durant is on a plane I, as we speak he's on a plane heading to toronto he's going to join the team i don't think he's close to coming back though he's on week three of a three to six week injury he's still limping he's not even on the bike yet not looking like he is close to coming back and maybe it's going to be game four, five before he does. So really, he's just going to Toronto as a power move. It's just 
we've got this guy waiting. He's our insurance policy, and right. that's going to close it out. Right, yeah. It's, uh, I, I get what you're saying there. It, it's uh, it, Kevin Durant's probably already preparing for free agency at this point. <laughs> I wonder if Kawhi Leonard is. He definitely is, and um, think so. He's not I, coming back. Um, his value could not be higher. I oh, mean, man. it couldn't have been higher before, He's but making now a lot of money for himself. Astronomical. He is arguably the best player in this series. Without Kevin Durant on the floor, I say he is the best player in this series. And even if Durant does get back and not at full strength, Kawhi probably still is. Yeah, and you know Steph Curry can do things that Kawhi Leonard can't. You know, obviously mm-hmm. shooting the ball, but as far as impacting the game all the way around, defensively, facilitate. I mean, obviously Steph Curry is a great facilitator, but the way that offense flows through Kawhi there, it's it's uh, man, I think I think he is probably the most dominant player on the floor. Vegas released their latest odds for who's going to pick up Kawhi this offseason. They released them this morning. They are giving the Clippers the best odds to land Kawhi, and I've been saying that for months. I would like to see that happen. I think that him and Duran are going to go join the Clippers. Let's hope this doesn't happen. Let's hope and pray it does not happen. The Warriors have the fifth best odds to land Kawhi. Yikes, I wonder where Milwaukee fell in there. I'd like to I'm see that. I'm not sure if they were on that list. But I mean, they're going to have some money available. I mean, I I can't believe, you know, um, I can't believe I don't think I've ever gone this long on the show without mentioning uh, Wisconsin sports. And I, now I just, I pulled it off. But, I mean, really, it would be so much fun to see two star players go to Los Angeles Clippers. I mean, mm-hmm. that would be fantastic. Whole LA right out from under LeBron. Totally. That'd be great. Let me ask you this. If Kawhi wins the championship, we were all saying if he wins a title this year in Toronto, that makes it really hard for him to walk away. That's about the only way that he would resign. At least he has to get to the finals. If he wins a championship, that's hard to walk away from. But he would then be a two time NBA champion. He would have a lot of money coming his way this offseason. Is it more likely that he leaves if he wins the finals? Whereas if he loses this round, he feels like there's a reason to come back. There's something they got to prove. You know, I really... Is there anything Kawhi could possibly prove? I mean, personally, obviously as a team, I think I think there would be. Um, especially with Coach Nurse being in his first year still. But um, it's just Kawhi is such a... You know, there, there's so many guys. There, there's so much more up front, and and you can make better educated guesses. He's just a, he's it's such it's so hard to put a finger on what is he really going for. What what does he want for his future? Well, I tell you what, you can tell me if you disagree with me or not. But our two teams just played a two game series in Minneapolis: the Brewers and the Twins. They split. The Brewers won a couple of nights ago. The Twins won last night. Does it feel like that should have been flipped? Just the way they played, I thought the Brewers outplayed Minnesota last night and lost. Twins outplayed the Brewers a couple of nights ago and lost. The team who dominated each game didn't end up winning. I was. That's really funny that you put it that way because it, it really does. That 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 is exactly what it seems like. And um, man, that 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 Minnesota Twins offense that that is no joke. I mean, that is really no joke and. And and people can say what they want about you know I, I look at all the power rankings you know uh, the Yankees are still off in in front of <laughs> the Twins teams I mean that Twins offense is absolutely no joke and if their pitching staff can stay healthy and I mean they're even bringing up guys making major league debuts yeah, Devin and Smeltzer last night looked really good looked really good and he had a very good Brewers offense quite off balance so. I was happy with him he came over from the Dodgers organization was really happy with that pickup I like the glasses too he wore the sunglasses last night while pitching in real life he has the Eric Gagne style glasses I'd love to see him pitch in those and bring those back but I like what they're getting out of him plus they moved Martin Perez back they moved his start back so they've got a four game series coming up with Tampa Bay who's having an excellent season right now and they get their four best arms set for Tampa Bay, a team that they may rival in the American League playoff standings. So I like how things played out for Minnesota. We've talked plenty of times about how hitting home runs, the long balls, just not sustainable. This Twins team is leading the majors in home runs with 106. They've got 14 different players that have homered and four already in double figures. None of them are Nelson Cruz. 
or Miguel Sanel. Both have missed significant time with injury. So I tend to agree with you, but I hope that we're both wrong that the long ball isn't sustainable. If there is an instance where, and really for both teams, you know, we're talking, you know, the Brewers Twins series. If if the long ball is sustainable for for a team, the Twins, you know, Miguel Sano only having five, um, that that's going to change. He'll he'll have over he'll have thirty home runs if he if he can stay healthy the second half of the season. He'll he'll get hot. That guy is a power machine. Will they break the record of 267 home runs set by the Yankees last year? They're on a fantastic pace. On pace. If if a team were to ever hit over 300 home runs in a year, it would be this year's Minnesota Twins. Well, we saw a few slugger knots last night because the Brewers' 92 home runs is tops in the National League. Yeah, how about Yasmani Grandal? And, yep. and, and and this is without guys like Jesus Aguilar and Travis Shaw. That's almost 70 home runs from last year, just gone. And, and, and Travis Shaw, to the DL, or excuse me, to the IL now, <laughs> uh, that, that is so hard for all of Minus us old school points. baseball guys. Yep, you need a fine jar for that. Um, but back to the IL for him, and then now he's just sitting in the minors trying to get mm-hmm. his swing back. Last I heard, he was 1 for 13 Ouch. down in, in AAA in San Antonio. Um, Keston Hira, I really wish, you know, the first week his defense was fantastic. He really looked like an above-average defender out mm-hmm. there. He made a rookie, rookie, rookie mistake last night yeah. and drilled a guy in the back. Um, ultimately, if if you want to look at it, that kind of cost the Brewers the game in the end if he makes that play he wasn't going to get the double play no. it was too slow of a roller but he tried to throw to second anyway he hit Jason Castro in the back he was the base runner and could have got the sure out at first instead they had no play the ball went to center field and both runners moved into scoring position with nobody out if he makes that play it's a whole different ball game and that's why I say the Brewers largely outplayed Minnesota last night but they struggled in one bad inning. The seventh inning is what killed Milwaukee. Are you in line with the Brewer Twitter that Alex Claudio needs to go? You know, Alex Claudio, early in spring training and even early in the year, you could see how he is a guy that when he can locate the ball, he's an anomaly. He can be successful in the major leagues. He has completely lost it. Yeah. He has completely lost it. I haven't really seen a guy lose it like that. Um, Matt Albers last year, mm. uh, Matt Albers was hurt. I don't know if Alex Claudio's hurt. Doesn't seem to be. Um, you know, Matt Albers had a significant drop drop in velocity. I don't think Alex Claudio could possibly have a drop in velocity. Um, but he he just cannot locate any of his pitches right now. And the Brewers spent a first round draft pick uh, to get him, and 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 that is you know. Wow, for a relief pitcher, that is a that is a steep price to pay. Obviously, he's young. He he's gonna have success in the major leagues again. It's it's just will it be this year with this team? I I really hope he can turn it around. The Brewers have enough other arms that have been pitching so well. It it's been a few innings the last three weeks that have blown things out of proportion. Mm-hmm. Guys like Brandon Woodruff, he's given up one run in the, in his last eighteen innings. He he's just been absolutely phenomenal. Um, he he was setting, you know, there there's some obscure records over his last few outings that that um he was getting close to. Um, and and it, that's always fun to watch. You know, baseball guys love that type of stuff. Um, but. Just the Brewers are are six and zero in his last six starts. Yep. So you know, I mean, when a pitcher goes out there like that and you're winning all of his starts, whether he gets a decision or not, it's, I mean, it's just been solid ever since Gio Gonzalez joined this rotation. That left-handed, it, it kind of they were going all right-handed, kind of going for that power righty rotation. Bring in uh, the lefty. Gonzalez is kind of a literally and figuratively a change-up guy. It has totally turned around that rotation. And and how about Zach Davies? He was awesome last night. Six shutout innings. And Gio, you mentioned, pitched a couple of nights ago. But neither of them get a win. No, and, and that's that's the interesting part of it is so many of these Brewers starters have been pitching well. Obviously, uh, 
you know, Brandon Woodruff is right up there. I believe he's tied for the National League League in wins. But but there are several of their starters that could have a few more favorable decisions um, if it wasn't for leads being blown by the bullpen. Um, but it's strange because the Brewers have had bullpen troubles. But I believe they're they are twenty nine and zero when they've been leading after seven innings. Mm. So their bullpen has struggled. But guys like Josh Hader and and he he's given up some homers at times. But when it when it's been safe situations, he's been locked down, and 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 Jeremy Jeffress even has not had nearly his best stuff, but but his ERA is well under three. So and how about that catch he made the other day? I thought mm-hmm. it was going to just hit him right in the bean, and, and it was weird how he exited the game. I think it just literally scared him. Um, but but that was one of the better catches you'll see. I remember I he said that he thought he was done for when that ball came off of Ostadio's bat, but thankfully nobody was hurt. We've seen too many situations like that. Jay Happ a few years ago. Here's the last thing I have on the Twin Series, and it's your stat of the day. You mentioned Devin Smeltzer made his Major League debut for the Twins last night, got a no decision but pitched well. He is the fifth pitcher in Twins history to throw at least six scoreless innings in his Major League debut. I wouldn't say he's joining elite company. Really, the only notable guy who's done it was Eric Milton back in 1998. Otherwise, you've got the likes of Jeff Holly, Andrew Albers, the pride of Saskatchewan, and Anthony Schwarzak. Oh, Anthony Schwarzak. He was a brewer for a while. and Yeah, a very good brewer and um, almost propelled him to the playoffs in 2017. Yeah. He was actually... Uh, he actually gave up the lead against the Cardinals, which mm-hmm. got them eliminated that year. I will never forget that. Um, but, but um, yeah, I forgot Andrew Swarzak came up as a starter. I tell you what, uh, we both have off days today. Tomorrow, Twins take on the Rays, and the Brewers get the Pirates. And I believe the Brewers have four off days. Well, now it's three off days in the next 16 days. It was, it was four and 17. They had... I mean, you really look at their early season schedule. I want to throw this out there for Brewers fans. Um, it it was a daunting, daunting early season schedule uh, with the combination of not getting off days um, and and just the teams they were playing. It was stacked Cardinals, stacked Dodgers. Um, you know, like they're done with teams like the Dodgers and um, and and then in inner series, you know, they played teams like the Twins. Um, you know, they did play a series against the Angels. That was a bummer. Uh, you were hoping that they could take two out of three from the Angels. They dropped two out of three to the Angels. But this early season schedule has really been a tester. And with the way that their pitching is starting to come together with the off days, I really think things things are going to start coming together for this team. It's been kind of a weird run for them so far. They haven't gone on sustained winning streaks uh there was a stretch where they won seven of eight i believe but they haven't gone on any extended losing streaks so they've they've just been kind of consistently right around 500 then every now and again they'll take three out of four and and um i i really think this is going to be this is a prime opportunity their schedule for them to 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 really i think surpass the cubs and we mentioned the Rays a couple moments ago. How about what they did last night? They set a new attendance record at Tropicana Field, but not the one you want. Their crowd of 5,786 that took in the Rays divisional game against Toronto was the lowest ever for a major league game at that park. That's embarrassing, especially for a team that's playing good baseball. They're 32-19. and 19. I don't understand why, why you know, they know they're, they're having attendance issues there is a lot that could be done to just get people in the door. Mm-hmm. You know, give them, give them some free food. You know, some, some, some. You know, brewers do all kinds of things. They do fifty uh, percent off. You know, random days. They just do all kinds of fun things. Having and, a nice stadium helps too. Yeah, and and they're consistently getting forty thousand plus in Milwaukee. So it's like, what's going on at Tropicana? Just get people in. Just let them in for free for crying out loud. Just just to put some people in the seats and and then maybe they'll go. Oh, you know, then maybe they'll come back if anything. Um, and and in baseball, I know they want to expand to thirty-two teams. I know they want six teams, sixteen teams, um, in each league to make it nice and. You know, nice and even number, but I, 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 is it is it overdue for the Rays to move to Montreal? I, I really think it that's a little overdue. They need a better stadium first and foremost. That stadium is a disaster. It's tough to get to outside the city limits. It's indoors, even though they're in Florida. 
I tell you what, the last time that they had an attendance record, they set like this. They broke their own record. The last time was because there was a hurricane warning. No excuse this time, it's just poor attendance. Hey, last thing before I let you go as we start to wind down toward the break, Bart Starr passed away over the weekend. Sunday morning we woke up to the unfortunate news as a lifelong Packer diehard. Tell me what that guy meant to you. You know, Bart Starr was so before my time, but but he was a guy that just really seemed to, like, like uh, he, he was a staple for Packers fans. He was he was glue in the state of Wisconsin. Um, he he brought he he kept interest. You know, like people like my dad, who 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 are kind of fans, kind of not. Just he was the glue for casual fans. He was one of those names that even the casual fan knew all about him. And and he was a real ambassador of the sport to the state of Wisconsin, just to really cement. He, I I think. He's right there. I mean, obviously, him and Vince Lombardi were hand in hand in in constructing and laying the foundation for for what is the Green Bay Packers and and the whole mystique of their franchise in the state of Wisconsin. And and so it's always sad to lose a guy like that. Um, but it, but it was really almost even more sad seeing his deterioration over the last few years. And um, you know, it, it it was just wonderful that he was able to. You know, oftentimes these guys that uh, that played football that long ago, they they don't make it that long. So so it, it was very it was awesome um, that I was able to get to appreciate him in in different capacities in my lifetime that he lived so long. And but it, it's still always just just such a bummer when when you're watching a game and and something like that comes on and it it kind of shocks you and gives you a little perspective right in the middle of the game. You know. Charlie Bramer giving us the weekly Wisconsin update, letting us know what's going on with the Bucks, Badgers, Packers, Brewers, everything in between. Let's take a timeout when we come back. Ishpeming is a brand new football coach for the first time in almost three decades. Meet him next in the Sports Pen on ESPN UP and the ESPN UP app. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN UP and on the ESPN UP app. Welcome back to the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoops here. Glad that you're with us. For the first time in 27 years, Ishpeming High School has a new head football coach. His name is George Nimi. He joins us on the ESPN-UP phone line. George, congratulations on your new position. What mark? Maybe you've already gotten started on it, but what's going to be the first mark you want to make as you take over the program? You know, th- first off, thanks, thanks, for, thanks for having me. And, uh... You know, you know, like you said, first time in 27 years we've had a new coach. Uh, you know, big, big shoes to fill, and uh, you, you know, you know, the mark, I, the mark that I want to make on, on the program that we want to make on the program is we, we, we want to continue the tradition of hematite football. Um, and uh, you know, there's not going to be a lot of changes. You know, Jeff, uh, Jeff is leaving us with uh, a good, uh, a good program. Um, he's, uh, I'm a, I'm a pr- uh, product of the, of the system. You know, so, uh, you know, my mark is to just continue the tradition of hematite football. Jeff has talked to me about wanting to stay involved in the program kind of as an advisor. Has he reached out to you since taking over the job, letting you know he'll be there if needed? Yes, he has. Uh, Jeff and I talk almost on a daily basis, and uh, um, it, it's, it's, quite a, it's quite a relief to have him as a, as a resource that I can go to, probably one of the best football coaches in the it, definitely in the UP, if not in the state of Michigan, um, and uh, it, it's just a great resource to have. And uh, you know, yes, he has reached out to me. Tell me about the interview process, what have you, and how it came to be that you got the position. Well, we posted. You know, of course, we we found out Jeff was leaving, and uh, the job was posted. And uh, um, you know, being the JV coach, I figured I'd throw my hat in the hat in the ring and. Uh, and uh, you know the the administration called me in for an interview, um, a one day interview, and uh, you know we we talked about philosophy, we talked about uh, you know you know how I would handle some situations, and uh, um, and we we left it at that. And uh, a couple couple days later, I got the phone call, and uh, you know offered the position, and uh, you know I graciously accepted it. Um, not, I'm not too familiar with how many people actually applied. Um, how many interviews they did, um, but that's how my process went. As good of a football coach as Jeff was, he established a great program tradition at Ishpeming. Does that come with any pressure trying to follow him? Well, absolutely. 
you know, like, like I said earlier, big, big, big shoes to fill. Um, you know, of course the pressure, you know, it, the pressure is always going to be on winning and, uh, and, uh, you know, that pressure is always going to be there. You know, you've got the state championships in the background, the success that Jeff has put together, um, you know, the, the, the pressure that I'll, I'll put on myself and that we'll put on as a team are, you know, of course are going to be to try and replicate, you know, that success because, you know, we, we all want to be successful and I know our community and our school, um, you know, they expect that that success and and you know and that's what that's what we're going to work for george what lessons have you learned since joining coach's staff that maybe you didn't know going into it that you can use in your own head coaching career watch film watch film know what the other team what their tendencies are um you, you know try and try and build your players up you know you, you know you you know, I guess going back to the film piece, you can watch as much film as you want, but if you can't get your athletes, your players to, to do what you need them to do, um, it's going to be a difficult job going forward. But we, re- you, you know, we really need to have some respect for our, uh, um, and passion for our, for our athletes. Well, George, what's this summer going to look like for Ishpeming football players as you get set for camp in the fall? Is there going to be any change, what have you, maybe any new wrinkle you throw into preparation? Um, right now, we're sticking what we've done in years past. We've have uh, Buck Nystrom's uh, blocking and seven on seven camp um, up in Gwyn early June. Um, of course, we have our uh, our advantage uh, lifting schedule that goes on all summer. And uh, the the one wrinkle we might throw in is I have made a um, contact one of, with one of our other Westpac coaches, and we may try and do a uh, a little seven on seven camp you know, in, in July sometime. George, how about a coaching staff? Are you going to retain a lot of the guys that were previously there, or are you going to bring in maybe a few of your own? The beauty of this is uh, each of our coaches um, from last year are still on board. Um, you know, so we were able to retain retain the entire uh, varsity staff. Um, the JV staff is going to change a little bit. We're going to have to go out and, you know, find my replacement and, uh, you know, build the uh, build the assistance up from there. You've got a relationship with the players having coached the junior varsity squad, but have you had the chance to address them since getting the head varsity job? I, I have, yeah. We've, we've had a couple meetings already in preparation, you know, for our summer for our summer activities. So, um, you know, so yeah, so the, those meetings are in place and our, our focus is in place. When you look ahead to this fall, do you have any expectations, goals for you? Obviously, Ishpeming's got that standard excellence in football on and off the field. Do you have anything personal for yourself that you want to challenge yourself to do? You know, I guess the the, the big thing is, you know, my my personal challenge is I, I, I want to get some uh, I want to get some W's. I want to you know I want to be successful. Um, you know, I, I I just you know there's I've got a lot of emotions and a lot of things I want to do. Um, you know, but getting getting the wins and and you know and getting that uh, being successful and keeping that program going the, in the right way that's that's really what I want to do. George, do you ever just step back and you think about the tradition, the history that Ishpeming football brings, the name of Hematite football, and you just think how cool it is to be a part of something like that? I, I tell you what, Tanner, I think about that all the time. In fact, I was talking with my wife, um, you know, when they offered me the, the position. And uh, I, I looked at her and I said, do you realize that since the early 70s that I am stepping into a position that I am the fifth coach that Ishmael High School football has had since the early 70s? I know we had Coach Molesky, um, Coach Crows, um, Coach uh, Sarvello, and then uh, Coach Olson took it over in 92, and he's been there for you know 20, 27 years, and I'm number five, so... I'll tell you what, it's an honor, it's a privilege, and you know sometimes I shake my head and I say, I can't believe this. George Namey is the new head football coach at Ishpeming High School. George, I'm sure we're going to be talking a lot more as we get closer to the fall. Congrats again. All the best going forward. Tanner, I appreciate it, and uh, anytime. We'll take a timeout when we come back. The NCAA baseball tournament throws the first pitch this weekend. We preview it next in the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP and ESPN-UP app. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Welcome back to Hunter Hoops with you. Glad to have you along. I'll have a guest join me in just a moment. A very familiar last name, by the way. He's going to help us break down the NCAA baseball tournament. But first, your Sports Center update. 
The Edmonton Oilers have named Dave Tippett their new head coach. Tippett was previously the head coach with the Stars and the Coyotes. The Atlanta Braves will host the 2021 MLB All-Star Game at SunTrust Park. And finally, Bill Yost, legendary assistant football coach under Herman Boone at T.C. Williams High School, passed away yesterday. He was portrayed by Will Patton in the 2000 blockbuster film Remember the Titans. Yost was 94. That is your Sports Center update. Glad to have you along on this Wednesday afternoon. If the name Sogard rings a bell, it should. Eric Sogard, nerd power, spent a few seasons up this way playing for the Brewers. Well, we're joined by his cousin Nick, shortstop of the Loyola Marymount Lions. His team getting set to open up NCAA regional play this weekend in Los Angeles. Nick, as always, appreciate the time. Good to talk to you. How's it feeling? Oh, we're feeling good. Hopefully we can keep playing some good baseball. Tell me about your region as a whole, what to expect from them. Um, yeah, so we've seen UCLA twice this year, both on midweeks, which is a little bit of a different dynamic. Um, we don't know a whole lot about Baylor, but we typically don't like to worry too much about what the other team does. We kind of just stay with us, and if we can go out and do what we know we're capable of doing, then we should be all right. Well, going into the WCC tournament, your team was three games over 500 in conference play. The four seed, you turn around and run the table, winning the conference and getting the automatic bid. Do you feel like you're playing your best baseball right now? Yeah, um, we're, we're kind of a team that goes good with our backs up against the wall. You know, we kind of backed into that conference tournament. Um, people definitely did not have us favored to win that. Um, but it's kind of just a freed up feeling when you're kind of going into something not expected to do a whole lot. You just kind of go out there and do your thing and see how everything plays out. Tell me about the selection show and what have you. You found out the regional site Sunday night, then Monday morning you found out where you were going, who you were paired up with. Tell me about the moment you found out that you were taking on Baylor in Los Angeles. Yeah. Um, so after we played UCLA a long time ago, our coach kind of told us like, hey, we're going to make a regional this year, and we're going to be playing at UCLA. So we kind of knew from a while ago, just kind of based on how college baseball works, I guess, that when we made that regional, we'd be going to UCLA. So we've been preparing for this moment for a while. So, But then as far as uh, the reaction, I mean, we're excited to be here for sure. This is what we've been setting out to do all season. And then um, as far as Baylor goes, hopefully we can get them in game one and then go from there. Yeah, your head coach, John Gill, no stranger to the NCAA tournament. He's been here 10 times. Tell me about the way that he was able to manage you through this season and get you into the tournament. Yeah, um, he's a great coach. He knows a lot about what it takes to get here and what it takes to get all of his guys right and hopefully keep us rolling uh, through this regional as well. Well, Nick, let's talk about the field of 64 as a whole. You look up and down, a lot of deserving teams are hosting, a few surprises maybe that didn't, and then a lot of dangerous four seeds, one or two, who might even be able to win a regional. Did the field shake out the way you thought it might, or were there some surprises? Um, I think the field is overall pretty solid. I think it's always a little bit interesting how some of the West Coast teams get paired up with each other. Um, I know that Stanford regional, people might be a little bit upset about that one, just at how much power is packed in one uh, location. Um, I know maybe, uh, I know TCU got in with a losing record, I believe. So, I mean, it's, it's interesting to see how everything plays out for sure. I know there's always going to be teams that wish they could have been in. I know us a few years ago thought we might have had a chance. They definitely have a tough job trying to get everybody sorted out. So it, it is what it is, and, and they just got to go go play. And you got to beat all the best to make it anyway. So yeah, you mentioned the Stanford Regional. The Cardinal are forty-one and eleven this year. Santa Barbara at forty-five and nine. The two seed. A lot of people thought they might be able to host a regional. Fresno State, Sacramento State round out that regional. All are great teams. It's one of the most loaded regionals in the country. And you talked about some of the teams out in the West Coast. Certainly, the Pac-12 is a power. You're a part of a great conference. Is the attitude around West Coast college baseball different than other parts of the country? Yeah, um, I haven't played a whole lot of East Coast baseball, so I'm not super familiar with how the game goes over there or in the South or in the SEC, but I, would, I, I think the Pac-12 is the best conference 
in the country. And I think that the West Coast teams tend to maybe get overlooked a little bit. Um, I know the Big West is a great conference. WCC is a great conference. But I think the style of play is a little different than it is in, say, the SEC. But I think it's, it's great baseball over here. I know it's great baseball over there. Talking with Nick Sogard, the shortstop for the Loyola Marymount Lions. They get set to open up NCAA regional play on Friday. Nick, take me inside the daily routine of a college baseball player. As you get to Los Angeles today, tell me about going through the process, uh, what you're going to be doing the next couple of days leading up to game day. Yeah, so today we will practice, or today we'll have weights first, then practice, then we'll pack up the bags and head up to the hotel, just kind of get settled. Um, and then tomorrow morning we'll do team breakfast and then a practice at UCLA's field and just kind of hang out, get familiar with the area, stuff like that. And then uh, Friday, game day, we'll go team breakfast again, um, get on the bus, get over to the field, kind of go through all the pregame routine, which is batting practice, uh, just kind of stuff like that. And then same time. Well, you said that your team plays their best when their backs are against the wall. You've been a part of some big games before. Is there a way that you get your mind in the right place? Is there a certain mindset that you have to have? Yeah, we try and play loose. Um, just kind of relax. Uh, definitely aggressive. We try and play aggressive as a team for sure. Um, but yeah, if we can just kind of be relaxed and play our best ball. We typically go much better when we're just kind of going out there with nothing to lose. Well, hey, Nick, I tell you what, it's always good talking to you. Wishing you and the guys all the best out in California this weekend. We'll be watching. For sure. Good to see you. That is Nick Sogard, shortstop of the Loyola Marymount Lions. His team getting set to open up NCAA regional tournament action on Friday. All 64 teams in the tournament in action this weekend. They will play a double elimination tournament, four teams in each regional and by the end of the weekend, we will have the 16-team Super Regional matchup set. Here is each regional. We'll go through it one by one. Over in Los Angeles, Nick and the Lions will be taking on Baylor in the first round. UCLA, the top seed nationally at 47-8 and playing host. They will take on Omaha in their first game. In the Corvallis Regional, Oregon State takes on Cincinnati. The Michigan Wolverines will battle the Creighton Blue Jays. Oklahoma City Regional, the Oklahoma State Cowboys welcome Harvard. Nebraska battles UConn. Texas Tech hosting a regional. They take on Army West Point in the first round. Florida squares off against Dallas Baptist. Arkansas hosting a regional. They match up with Central Connecticut State. They're followed by TCU and Cal Berkeley. Ole Miss hosting a regional in Oxford. They draw Jacksonville State. Clemson takes on Illinois in the nightcap. LSU hosting a regional in Baton Rouge. They get Stony Brook, Southern Miss, and Arizona State follow them. Georgia hosting a regional this year at 44-15. They welcome Mercer, Florida State, and Florida Atlantic play in the nightcap. In the Nashville Regional, Vanderbilt welcomes the Big Ten Tournament champion Ohio State Buckeyes. McNessie State against Indiana is the nightcap. How about the Morgantown Regional? West Virginia hosting. They get Fordham in the first round. Duke and Texas A&M on the other side. East Carolina of Greenville hosting a regional. They get Quinnipiac in the first round. NC State battles Campbell on the other side. Louisville once again hosting a regional. They take on the University of Illinois Chicago. The upstart Flames playing their best baseball at the end of the year to get into the tournament. Other side has Indiana and Illinois State. Mississippi State hosting the Starkville Regional. They will take on Southern U in their tournament opener. Central Michigan, the Chippewas into the tournament as a three seed. They draw Miami. The Stanford Regional, aforementioned, extremely tough. The Cardinal matchup with Sacramento State in their opener. Fresno State plays Santa Barbara, who might be feeling a little slighted. They thought they deserved a one seed. Hard to argue with their 45-9 record. The Chapel Hill Regional, North Carolina, draws UNC Wilmington. Liberty and Tennessee on the other side. And finally, the Atlanta Regional, Georgia Tech, maybe the surprise of the college baseball world this year. They draw Florida A&M in the opening round. Coastal Carolina takes on Auburn. That is a look at all 16 regionals in the NCAA baseball tournament. They throw the first pitch Friday, and by the end of the weekend, 16 teams will be left standing. The road to Omaha gets thinned out.
With that, we owe you a timeout. When we come back, I've got a very special guest who's going to join me on headset. You're not going to want to miss this. A familiar voice, a blast to the past, coming up next on ESPN-UP and the ESPN-UP app. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Welcome back. Tanner Hoops with you. Thanks for being with us on your Wednesday afternoon. We have a very special guest, a surprise guest, join us on the ESPN-UP phone line and a very familiar one at that, one with some very exciting news. We welcome in Rachel Zerby, former sports anchor at ABC10 here in Marquette. We're part of the ESPN family now, Rachel. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. I'm so excited to be co-workers with you, Tanner. Isn't that cool? We're both part of the family now. In case you missed it, Rachel just landed a position as a production assistant at the ESPN Mothership in Bristol, Connecticut. She is going big time. Headquarters, the official campus. Production assistant, I believe, is your official title. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yes, you are correct. I will be a PA. What does a PA do? A lot. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'll most likely be just like editing highlights, you know, anything you see on SportsCenter or First Take or any ESPN content, I'll kind of be behind that, but mostly highlights. So, so yeah. are, are you going to meet the people that you're going to cut highlights for? Like, are you and SVP going to be buds? Oh, I, uh, well, it depends what show I kind of like get assigned to, but on my interview, they were like, yeah, the people who work on NFL Live, like they're on a texting basis with Randy Moss and all them. Because mm. like we're the ones who kind of like make the video, so. <laughs> well, you need to look professional, I'm sure. There's a dress code at the mothership, but if you wear your Randy Moss jersey, <laughs> because I know you have one as a Vikings fan, there's no way not, that you two well, are not. Do. You don't have a Moss jersey? No. I would think as big of a Vikings fan, you probably can't wear that in Philadelphia. Though. Yeah, no. <laughs> hey, but you and Randy could end up being best friends. I would yeah, love to be friends with him. He's a fun guy. You know, he's cool. Yeah, he seems real cool, so we'll see. So how'd this all come about? You just kind of heard that there was an opening in Bristol, send a resume off? Yeah, I mean, I obviously left the UP, and I just applied. And I heard back. It was actually the only job I heard back from, and... I just went through the process. It took like a month. I went up there for an interview. And first off, that campus is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Nothing. It's, I can't even put into words what it's like. But, yeah, so I, I just applied and happened to get it. So here we are. You said a few weeks ago you were hoping to have something to take your mind off the Sixers. How long does heartbreak take? Is this helping? Oh. Uh, yes, it, it, for sure. But, you know, that heartbreak still sits in the back of my mind. <laughs> well, if it makes you feel better, the Raptors are going to lose in five. Yeah, I, I hope they get swept, but it's okay. <laughs> You're not holding out a whole lot of expectations for the Raptors? No. 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 Well, shoot, this is like old times. We're having you back on Wednesday talking about basketball. Anyway, it's my day, too. It is your day. Isn't that perfect how this all lined up? It really is. I was so excited when you texted me this morning or when I saw it this morning. I was like, absolutely, I want to go back. I miss it. Well, yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of people here who miss you. (laughs) And it's finally starting to get warm. Yeah, wait, is there still snow up there? No, there's no snow. It's inconsistently warm. Some days it's really nice. It's about mid-60s at times today. And some days it's 40, foggy, rainy. It's weird. You know, I never thought I would say this, but I kind of miss that because it is 90 degrees right now and I am sweating. People here don't want to hear that. They don't want to hear people complain about the heat. (laughs) I'm sorry. So what have you been doing since you went back to Philadelphia? I've seen you've seen the Phillies a few times. The Twins were in town. I'm like one for three. I luckily saw my first win. Saw my first Bryce Harper home run when he smashed that ball in Ashburn Alley. Yes. moment of my life. I think they were playing Colorado that day. Yeah, yeah, they were. Starting to come around to Bryce Harper a little bit. Everyone's going to talk about him. You know, I just kind of don't listen to that. (laughs) We have 13 years of him. I don't expect him to be great every game. I wish all Philly fans had that kind of standard. I bet Bryce Harper wishes Philly fans had that kind of standard right now. Yeah, I will admit he does get probably – I mean, there's booze every day at Citizens Bank Park, Mm. no matter what's going on. So. Well, and you got to see the Sixers a couple of times. They had another great season. Yeah, uh, yeah, you could call it that. Well, it's compared to what they went through a few years ago. Yeah, 
I mean, we're close. They're close. They're close. What are you hoping they do this off season? I don't care what they do, but if Jimmy Butler is not a Philadelphia 76er next season, mm. I'm going to cry. He absolutely has got to stay there. He has, he has to be to. the priority they were signed. He like, carried us in the playoffs, mm-hmm. basically. LeBron's trying to bring him out to L.A. No, I will, no that's not happening. Can't happen. Not. No. <laughs> Does the do you still trust the process of having Simmons and Embiid as the one two punch? Absolutely. Do you do? Okay. Absolutely. All I right. do. Yes. Should they just move Ben Simmons to the number four position and just let him handle the ball as a forward? Honestly, like I wouldn't be opposed to that, but I don't know. Like if he I don't know. He's a tough person. But I think he's gonna come around. If he gets a jump shot, he's going to be one of the best players in the league. Do you still like having Brett Brown as head coach? You know, I got in a lot of arguments with my friends because they're like, he can't be fired, he's meant for this team, blah, blah. He's been there like through the process and all that. And I was like, dude, like he just doesn't like win us games really in a way. Like, it was just like I wouldn't be upset if he would have got canned. Yeah. But like I wouldn't be upset that he's coming back either. So I don't know. Because I, I, I just don't know who would replace him. Right. It's kind of a weird spot that Philadelphia is in right now. Is there stuff he could do better? Yeah. But at the same point, is there anybody out there who's really an upgrade? You saw what the Lakers just went through. Exactly. But the, and, you know, game one against the Raptors was horrendous. The adjustments he made for game two were phenomenal. So I was like, okay, that's good. But then, I don't know, what game four and five, when Embiid was sick or whatever, mm-hmm. that was just, he had no clue what to do. In the final three possessions of game seven? Oh, uh, don't even get me started <laughs> on that. What was that? Like, uh, like never, uh, I'm just not going to talk. <laughs> it very well could have cost him his job. Joel was advocating for him to come back. I don't know if that had anything to do with it, but... Brett Brown does end up staying as head coach of the 76ers. We're talking with Rachel Zerby, former sports anchor at ABC 10 here in Marquette. She has moved on and is going to become a PA at the mothership at ESPN headquarters in Bristol, Connecticut. So we're family. We're glad to have you on your first ESPN affiliate, technically, as an employee. So how long until you go out to Bristol? About two weeks. I start the middle of June, so I'll be out there soon. So get a little bit of time to, well, you're going right into the heat of it. You talked about with NFL Live, what have you, if you're doing some highlights for them. Training camps will be right around the corner. you got plenty of yeah. news to go over right now. Exactly. It'll be a fun time. Are you optimistic for the Vikings? You know, I haven't really thought much about them. You've had, you've had good baseball and basketball in Philadelphia, and that's yeah. kept your mind off Kirk Cousins. I like to take it one sport at a time. Okay. How about the Phillies? Are you optimistic for them this summer? Yeah, I am. As a Philadelphia fan, you're optimistic, but in the back of your mind, you're like, I don't want to be too optimistic, you know? <laughs> we tend to get let down a lot. That race with Atlanta. I don't know. We'll see. I just hope the Braves collapse. Make it easy on us. Uh, how about Temple football? If there's anything happening with them, you would know it. And I don't know anyone else who I would come to if I needed to know about Temple football, but it'd be you first. <laughs> Honestly, can't really tell you much about that. They got that new coach who I don't even know. Did they find someone to replace Manny Diaz? Yeah, some guy from like uh, Southern Illinois, I think. Rod Carey, Rob Carey. Mm. I don't like. I'm telling you, I don't know. But Temple basketball is going to be back on the map with Aaron McKee. I like we that. We got an Indiana transfer and a Wisconsin transfer. Jeez. So. Be like Christmas days. Yeah. <laughs> Which one played at Temple? I thought one was at Syracuse, one was at Temple, one Christmas. Was that Rakeem? Uh, I think it was Rakeem. But I can't believe that I didn't hear about the football coach getting hired at Temple. That may have been the most under-the-radar piece of news that's come out of this sports saga, what have you, especially after the way the Manny Diaz thing ended. It's almost like they didn't want anybody to know in case this guy backed out too. Well, I mean, let's be honest it's temple football nobody really cares <laughs> except you that's why you're we the don't temple have a insider field, like, yeah. that's right you got to play at lincoln financial yeah well shoot you've got basketball to look forward to like you said plus you've got yep. an espn job to look forward to yeah exactly connecticut's <laughs> gonna be a fun place you ever been out to well, you said you've been to campus yeah what was your favorite thing at campus 
Um, that I think just the studios, you know, just because like I was on air for a short time, mm-hmm. <laughs> but just to see like the studios that the talent gets to work there, immaculate. Like the NFL studio is two stories. It's beautiful. There's a whole sports center studio. Like there's just something for everything. It's I, wild. I bet they don't have a hockey studio though. No, I don't think Shoot. we really talk about hockey. I know they don't. I, I don't know where they stick Butchie and Melrose, but I wouldn't be surprised if they get some little closet in the basement yeah. or something. That's their hockey yeah. office. Uh, but I tell you what, that's going to be a lot of fun to be able to see what happens out there. You didn't really blow up Snapchat with it. This would be something I think would be snap-worthy. <laughs> Did they say there was a restriction about photos? No, I mean, I'm just, like, very... I don't want to say superstitious. Like, I just didn't want to jinx anything. Okay. So I was like, I'm not going to do anything or, like, say anything. I'm going to keep it all a secret because I just didn't want to, like, tell people and be like, oh, yeah, I have this interview and then not get it, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So So you did the actual interview on campus. Yeah. Wow. It was, like, five hours. What they make you do for five hours? Well, I had... There was a tour. Mm -hmm. And then... We had lunch and then interviews and, like, video assessments. I mean, it was a fun day, but it was long. Did you meet anybody famous? See anybody famous on your tour? Uh, Mark Sanchez. Oh, yeah? What was he doing there? Yeah, I think he was doing something with NFL Live. Why Mark Sanchez? I don't know. There's a lot of other guys. I just walk from door to door. (laughs) That's it. (laughs) Did you yell butt fumble and see if he turned around? No. That's probably the I right didn't want to do that on my interview. I didn't want to give. <laughs> I needed to impress that. That was the right decision, Rachel. Yes. That was good work. <laughs> How far is Bristol from Philadelphia? From Philly, it's only three and a half hours. Okay. You know, that was the first thing I Googled. Yeah, you can go home in a day, see the Phils if you need to. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And go home for that World Series parade. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty confident in Philadelphia, although the Twins are the best team in baseball right now. Oh, yeah, whatever. It's, what month is it? May? It is May. We, we got a lot left. We do have a lot left, and that's what worries me. I wish the season could end right now. Yeah. We can just go to the playoffs right, right. now and see what happens. Oh, but I yeah. tell you what, that's so cool for you and what you're going to get to do out there. Anything you want to say to your UP audience, those who... You know, we're missing you because I'm sure a lot of us are. What would that be? I mean, just a big thank you. I obviously, I mean, I wouldn't have, I would not be in this position if it wasn't for the UP. Not going to lie, I do miss it. Day to day, not the weather. We all know I didn't mm-hmm. like the weather. But, you know, just to be surrounded by such nice people, I don't really get that on the East Coast. So it's nice that people have been reaching out to me about this job shows that they cared so wouldn't have wanted to get my start anywhere else than the up place will definitely always hold a special place in my heart can't wait to see some stuff you produce when we're flipping through sports center every night rachel congratulations again glad to have you as part of the espn fam Thank you. Glad to be here. All right. We'll have uh, we'll we'll talk with you more, I'm sure, as you get settled out in Bristol. But that's Rachel Zerby, the newest PA at ESPN, the mothership in Bristol, Connecticut, joins us on the ESPN UP phone line. We are out of time. That is it for today's episode of the Sports Pen. Signing off from the ESPN UP WZAM studios. I'm Tanner Hoops. Thanks for listening.